0: Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you, uh, Lord, that we can come into this place today, and uh, we are here, Lord. We are uh, opening our hearts. We want to open our ears to you Uh, now, God, as we uh, just invite you to to speak into our lives and to uh, show us the way, Lord, as we continue to study the life of Jesus uh, will you help us today, Father, uh, to learn from him, to pattern our lives after him, and uh, to really just kind of be him uh, to the world around us right now. And uh, Father, we thank you. We thank you for the gifts that have been given today, Lord. We pray that you'd bless and use these resources uh, in great ways right here uh, in this community, um, but even farther away in places like Haiti too. And uh, we thank you for the ministry of NVM. And uh, know that even this morning, there's a church in Chambrun, There's a church in Onaville uh, where people are coming together to worship you, God. And uh, we pray for your blessings over them and your work through them, God, and that we get to work together uh, in helping people find their way uh, back to God. Uh, Lord, would you uh, use me right now in this time? Would you, as you point us to your word, God, would you just bring to life uh, these words, uh, these truths uh, that you want for us today? And may we hear them and know them and be guided by them. Uh, And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, it, uh, it is good to be with you this morning. Uh, my name is Paul Mumaw, and I'm the lead pastor uh, for Genesis Church. Uh, if you're new to Genesis, you may not realize that uh, we're one church in two locations, and so I preach most Sundays uh, at our Noblesville campus, but uh, periodically get a chance to get over here to be with you and, and love being with you today. Steve Wallen is our Carmel campus pastor, is doing a fantastic job of leading and teaching here, and he's getting some well-deserved uh, vacation time uh, this week, and so I- I'm happy to, to be able to come over and uh, spend the morning uh, with you. Let me ask you this question. Uh, let me, let, I just wanted to ask you as we get started today, I want you to imagine, you've you got to use your imagination uh, for this, but uh, imagine for a moment, what if uh, for one day Jesus were to become you? All right, like, like starting tomorrow, all right, and, and for a 24-hour period, Jesus is going to live your life. That means he's going he's to walk in your shirt, shoes. That means he's going to wake up in your bed. Uh, he's going to get up in the morning. He's going to get dressed. He's going to eat breakfast in your home or in your apartment or uh, in your dorm. And then he's going to go out, and he's going to live your day. That means for one day, he assumes your schedule. Uh, nothing changes. Jesus lives your Monday but he lives your Monday with his heart. How, how, how do you think he would live your day? What what would your day look like tomorrow if Jesus were living uh, in place of you? Now, for those of you that are in school, whether you're in middle school or high school, or maybe you're in college right now, uh, how would Jesus live your Monday? I mean, that means He goes to your classes, and uh, as He goes to your classes, maybe that's a good thing because maybe you got a big exam tomorrow or a big test tomorrow. So you know, hey, Jesus is taking that for me. All right, that's a good start. But uh, but seriously, I mean, He's going to interact with your with your teachers. He's going to interact with your friends. He's going to have all of the conversations that you. Would otherwise have. And if you uh, play football or if you uh, run cross country, if you play in the band or something, or you work a job after school, Jesus is going to do that in your place because he's going to live your life. And so, what would he do? Uh, How would he act in your place? I mean, what what would that day look like, Jesus living? you? And, and for those of you that work for a living, I mean, what, what would that look like tomorrow? What would those interactions with your boss, uh, look like, or if you manage people for a living, what, what, what does that management look like? What does that level of accountability, uh, look like with your employees? If you're in sales, I mean, how would you interact with your customers? Um, If you're a stay-at-home mom or dad, I mean, how would he take advantage of your time with your kids tomorrow? Or uh, how how might he take advantage of those conversations on the street or at the play date uh, with those other parents? If you're unemployed right now, uh, what's that day look like tomorrow for Jesus? I mean, how would he handle the uncertainty right now or the anxiety? I mean, what sort of things would he do tomorrow as he searched for a job for you if you're retired? How would Jesus use your time? in retirement right now? I mean, how might he view this season of life and how, how intentional would he be with that time? It's no matter who you are, I just want you to imagine for one day, for one night, Jesus lives your life with his heart. And so how would he organize your day? How how would he treat others? How would he deal with the conflicts and the questions that are going to come up? How would he function in each of your relationships? What things would he quit doing? Uh, what things would he avoid and stay away from or walk away from altogether? And, and if Jesus' relationship with our Heavenly Father was the most, it, it is the most important thing in his life, how would that affect the way he started your day? Or he continued throughout your day or lived your day tomorrow? Well, we're in the fifth week of this series called The Son of the Man, and uh, what we're doing uh, in this series is we're specifically looking at and studying the life of Jesus, especially through the lens of his humanity. Uh, theologian and scholar Charles Ryrie said it like this. He says, never less than God, he, he's talking about Jesus, chose to live his life never more than man. And so we know and we believe that Jesus was fully God, that he is fully God, but when he came to the earth, he veiled his deity and he became fully human form. Us as he lived out his life uh, on the earth, and so again in this series, our goal is to look and to see Jesus in a new and a a fresh way. Because so often when we study Jesus, we look at his glorified state, and rightly so. I mean, he is deserving of that. He's deserving of that attention as someone who died for our sins. Uh, But we want to also see Jesus. We want we want to see him as this Son of Man and somebody that we can pattern our lives after. John said it like this in 1 John 2, uh, 5 and 6. He says, this is how we know we're in him. He says, hey, hey you want you to want filter? All right? you, you want to really prove that you're in this, that you're really following the Lord? He says, hey, here's what it means to call yourself a Christian. He says, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. And so for the last few weeks, we've just been looking at these different ways that we can walk as Jesus walked. And uh, the truth is that we can walk as him. We, we can walk as Jesus walked because uh, the same resources and priorities that are available to Jesus are available to you and me too. And so we can walk as Jesus walked because we can live by the Holy Spirit like Jesus did. Uh, we, we can walk as Jesus walked because we can pray uh, like Jesus prayed. We can obey like Jesus obeyed. And today, uh, what I want us to see is that we can, we, we can look to, we can read from, we can use uh, the word of God much like Jesus did too. In fact, uh, this is in your notes if you wanna write this down, uh, if you're following with us. To walk as Jesus walk, uh, walked means that we can depend on the scriptures the same way Jesus did. Uh, we, we can look to the scriptures. We, we can depend on the scriptures uh, the same way that Jesus did. I mean, Jesus depended on the scriptures, the word of God, to live his life. Now, some of us uh, depend on some other things. Uh, How many of you are very dependent on a morning cup of coffee, all right? Like, that's one of the first things that you do, all right? I'm right there in that camp, all right? I'm in that category with you. How how many of you are very dependent uh, on one of these, all right? Like, if you were to lose this, if you were to misplace this, uh, if you were to drop it in the toilet or something, like, you would be in bad luck, all right? Because everything about you, I mean, all of the details, your schedule uh, are wrapped up into, uh, you know that phone of yours. But for Jesus, it was all about the word of God. He was very dependent on the word of God. I mean, even as a young boy, Jesus would have studied and memorized the scriptures like any faithful young Jewish boy. And so he learned who God was through the scriptures. He learned his identity from the scriptures. The scriptures formed his worldview and shaped his his priorities. He learned about his mission, and his calling from the scriptures, he learned how to relate to and treat other people through the scriptures. I mean, he used the scriptures to teach and to encourage and to guide and to and direct. I mean, there are more than eighty examples of Jesus quoting the Old Testament uh, that you can find that you can read about in the Gospels. Jesus was very dependent on the Word of God. He was very dependent on the Scriptures. Uh, So much so that in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus said it like this. He responded. He was responding to Satan, actually. He says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on what? On every word. Not some of the words. Not not the words that are convenient. uh, Not not the words that are only uh, not going to cause conflict with somebody else. But he says, no, not on, on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And it's interesting that when Jesus said these words here in Matthew chapter 4, he was actually quoting directly from the Old Testament, uh, from the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. But Jesus didn't just say it. I mean, he wasn't just quoting it, he lived it out too. Uh, with every part of his life, he was always living out scripture. I mean, in his humanity, the Son of God, the Son of Man, depended on the Word of God to live every part of his life. And do you know what? That's God's will for your life too. Uh, that, that's God's will for us uh, as followers of Christ, as Christians, uh, as Genesis Church, that our every move, that your every thought, that your every action, every decision, every opinion that you hold uh, be formed by the word of God. I mean, if we're gonna follow Jesus, if we're gonna walk as Jesus walked in 2015, I mean, our philosophy uh, on life needs to be rooted and established and formed by God's word because the challenge is there are so many voices today. Uh, there are so many places that you can look to for opinion, whether that be social media or the Huffington Post or Fox News, whatever it may be. I mean, there are so many voices that say, do this or, or do that or figure it out as you go or whatever works for you. But the foundation of our thinking as followers of Christ, needs to come from and be rooted in God's word. And so what we see as we study the life of Jesus is that he was very dependent on the scriptures to live his life for every move. And today what I want to show you is uh, outline for you five reasons why I think we must depend on the word of God. Uh, we must look to the word of God as we live our lives too. So again, if you're following with us, if you're taking notes, uh, the first thing is this, we, we gain wisdom and understanding as we study the word of God. Uh, There is wisdom and understanding available for you and for me. I mean, sometimes we like to think that Jesus was, you know, because he was fully God, that God the Father just downloaded all the biblical data into his brain, you know, uh, before birth, all right? And so he came into the world with this, but that would be a faulty view of the real Jesus, I mean, Jesus didn't automatically know all the scriptures. I mean, he had to learn them and to study them. And again, as I mentioned a second ago, I mean, as as a young boy and as a young man growing up, I mean, he would have attended the local synagogue in Nazareth Nazareth, where he would have studied uh, and learned the scriptures just like other young boys. Uh, Luke records this for us. Uh, he was a historian. He was very careful about his details. He, he made every attempt to be very accurate in what he wrote. And so in Luke chapter 2, verse 40, he, he recorded, he said, the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. And then a few verses later in Luke two fifty two, he records again, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. We see that he was filled with wisdom. Uh, Luke records that he grew in wisdom. And where did that wisdom come from for Jesus? There's a really good chance that some of that wisdom came from his earthly father working in the carpenter shop and from his mom and from other people around him. But more than anything, it came from scripture. He was learning from the word of God. Now let's take a look at a passage for just a moment. A passage is an example. I think a passage that Jesus certainly would have studied, uh, a prayer where Jesus uh, might have gained wisdom and understanding. And so uh, imagine for a moment Jesus reading this passage here. Uh, we've got it for you on the screen in uh, Psalm 119, starting in verse 9, which goes, How can a person stay young, or how, how can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. Uh, the writer says, I have hard, tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. He says, I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. I I have recited aloud all the regulations you have given us. I have rejoiced in your laws. All right, even in this writer here, we see the emphasis on the word of God. He says, as much as in riches, He says, I will study your commandments and reflect your ways. I will delight in your decrees and not forget your words. I mean, can you imagine Jesus uh, hearing these words as they're taught from a rabbi as a young man? Or imagine Jesus reading these words himself and immediately turning a psalm like this into a prayer. You know, a prayer that might've gone something like this. You know, can you imagine Jesus praying, Father, I'm going to obey your every word. Uh, don't let me wander from your commands. I'm working hard to know your word set so that I do not sin against you. I praise you, Father. Uh, can you hear Jesus praying? Uh, teach me the scriptures. Give me the wisdom for life and for understanding. Your word is more important to me than anything. I will keep studying your word. I will delight in your word and remember it always. Now, I don't know for sure if Jesus actually prayed that prayer, but he might have. I mean, I do know that Jesus would have studied this passage in the Psalms. And, well, we can walk as Jesus walked, too, as we study the Psalms, as we look to the Psalms as prayers, as we make them our prayers. You know, one time Jesus was asked uh, by a local, te- uh, local uh, individual, he, he was asked, teacher, what's the greatest commandment? And uh, how did he respond? Well, Jesus quoted directly from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, when he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Now, how did Jesus know that? He studied the scriptures and he knew the word of God. And so he studied and prayed and he memorized and he obeyed these scriptures. And here's the good news for us, uh, the good news for all of us today. I mean, we, we can do the same thing too. I mean, some countries, you know, people are desperate for a copy of the word of God. We, we have, they're on the floor right now around you. We have them everywhere available to us. And so we can study the scriptures And we can know God's word and we can draw from God's word and we can gain wisdom and understanding for life as we study the Bible. This is what it means to pattern your life after Jesus Christ, to walk as he walked. The Apostle Paul says this about the word of God in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. He says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for us for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting and training in righteousness so that what? so that the servant of God, so that you and me, that we will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. See, God's word will give us wisdom, and God's word will give us understanding. And, you know, I just maybe wonder for some of you, where do you need that wisdom in your life, even this morning? I mean, as you think about your week or uh, your weekend and uh, maybe some of the things that happened that, well, that was predictable, you could kind of see it coming but I think there are probably chances that for some of you, maybe there were some surprises this weekend or, uh, again, some worries, some anxiety about what's coming up this week. I mean, maybe for some of you today, maybe you're thinking you just need some wisdom right now when it comes to purpose for your life. You know, Where do you fit into all of this? I mean, what's God up to? Uh, what, what's he want to do in you or through you? Maybe you're needing wisdom right now in, in, in a relationship, uh, whether that be a dating relationship or uh, your marriage right now. Maybe you're having some challenges with your parents. Uh, maybe, maybe that wisdom that you're looking for has everything to do with your finances, because uh, there's just not enough of them you know, right now. But uh, you're just trying to get by and just praying and asking about next steps. Or maybe it's just your future, you know, of wondering what's around the corner. Or maybe there's some things that have you afraid, just some things that you see happening in our country right now, and how those might eventually affect you. So many of us are desperately turning to God for wisdom and direction, and rightly so. But do you know what? Our prayers need to be followed up with a sincere study of Scripture too. I mean, we need to train ourselves to look to God and to look to his word and go searching for these answers and for guidance and for wisdom in life. Uh, the writer of Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom. See, wisdom comes from the Lord. The Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. And so as you're praying and as you're asking, as you're wondering, as you're journaling, don't be afraid to pray and to ask God, what does your word say about this? And then discover ways of looking to the Bible to seek out, you know, the the answers uh, to the questions that you're asking about life. I mean, Jesus had to gain from the scriptures. And if we're going to pattern our lives after Jesus, then we need to be willing to look to the Scriptures too for wisdom and for understanding. The second thing is this. Uh, uh, another reason why we need to depend on the Scriptures is to be transformed, uh, to be changed uh, as individuals. Um, uh, my, my, my three kids are running cross-country uh, this year. I've got a first grader, a fourth grader, and a sixth grader all running uh, together. And I have been uh, coaching uh, as a part of a local cross-country club in Noblesville for the past four years. And so we were at this meet yesterday, and it was fun watching for, uh, my kids and, and cheering my kids on. But but as a coach, I've had the privilege now of uh, of working with some kids, um, different boys and girls, for the last four, uh, five years now. And it's, it's fun to see how they're improving. It's uh, fun to see how they're growing growing and, and you got to love running, right? I mean, to really, to really keep up with it, you know, especially uh, as a kid, but but as we practice and as we teach and as we instruct and, and as we commit ourselves to it, again, it's just been, it's been so fun to watch those that even started out as kindergartners or first graders uh, in running or maybe even came on a little later, but how they're growing in it and they're getting stronger and that competitive drive in them and this discipline uh, that's being formed Uh, in them. You know, the more we read uh, and the more we study scripture and humble ourselves before the word of God, we're going to be transformed too. Uh, We're going to be changed by it. Paul writes it like this in Romans chapter 12, uh, verses one and two. He says, therefore, I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy uh, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Basically meaning, I mean, if, if Christ gives his life for us, what do we owe him? What does it mean for you and me to give our lives for him? He says, this is your true and proper worship. But look at verse two. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. All right, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will for us. See, Jesus was formed by the scriptures. All right, you and I, we need to be transformed by the scriptures. And here's what I mean by that. Jesus uh, came sinless, all right? He, he was born uh, sinless. He came into a, a sin-soaked world and, and remained sinless for us. And, and so he lived a righteous life. He lived a, a holy life. Uh, we, on the other hand, were fallen. All right, and, and we're sinful because of the world that we're born into, the stain, the dishonest. And so while Jesus was formed by the scriptures, all right, you and I, we need to be transformed by the scriptures and transformed into what? Well, Romans 8 tells us that God is working all things to transform us into the image of Jesus. Uh, we were created to be more and more like Jesus. And well, can you imagine what that would look like? I mean, can you imagine what it would be like to be like Jesus. I mean, at the beginning, I asked you that question to imagine Jesus kind of living out your day, but let you be you. I mean, you live your day tomorrow, and imagine living as Jesus would. I mean, imagine what it'd be like to know your identity and purpose in life, uh, to be guided and empowered by the Spirit, to have a deep, rich prayer life, uh, to experience your heavenly Father and His presence, to hear His voice, uh, to live a life of obedience, always pleasing your heavenly Father humbling yourself before him and for others, exalting him in all things, knowing how to love others, knowing how to serve others, knowing grace and truth. See, this is what we were created for. I mean, Jesus was man as God intended uh, us to be, men and women to be. We were created to be like Jesus. And if we're gonna pattern our lives after Jesus, then we have to walk as Jesus walked. In everything that we do, we must depend on the scriptures to guide us, to be transformed. I mean, the Bible is essential to our transformation. You know, I grew up with this idea that the goal of the Bible is just to memorize it. You know, memorize as much as you can, know as as much as you can. And, you know, the more questions that you can answer, I mean, the better off, uh, you know, the better you proved yourselves uh, to everyone else. And so I remember even as a young kid, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but even as a young kid, I I memorized all 66 uh, books of the Bible in order, like not all the words in them, but the actual books, the names of the books of the Bible. And so I, I could say all of the books of the Old Testament. I could say all of the books of the New Testament. I could do it fast. And uh, so I remember this one particular Sunday, the pastor of our church, he brought me up on stage uh, as a model, as an example, and asked me to recite all 66 books uh, for our church. And so I did it. But then get this, and he knew this. But he asked me then to say them backwards because not only did I know them forwards, but I could say them backwards too. Now, you should have seen the girls that lined up, all right, to get to know this guy after a performance uh, like that. But, you know, sometimes, you know, we're led to believe that the word of God, you know, that the point of the word of God is, okay, well, I'll study it. And if I know it, and if I can answer the questions, well, I mean, the more, the better. I mean, all you know, the better. I mean, the more you can quote it, I mean, that's all that matters. But let me me just show you what's wrong with just simply knowing it. Um, It'd kind of be like this. Uh, Imagine me saying to my son Luke, if I were to say something to him like, hey, Luke, I I want you to take out the garbage. And maybe an hour goes by and Luke comes back into the living room and uh, says, hey, dad, I got something to tell you memorized what you told me to do. You told me to take out the garbage. So the garbage doesn't get taken out, but Luke proves to me that he has memorized exactly what I told him to do. Or, or imagine him doing something like this. I mean, he comes back to me again and says, hey dad, guess what? I got a group of people together. And we studied what you told me to do. We studied that line, take out the garbage. So again, the garbage still hasn't been taken from the house. But now there are people that are studying it and can actually say those same words. Or or Luke saying something like, Dad, i got a group of people together. And we know it in the Greek. We can say it in the Greek what it means to take out the garbage. So again, the point is the garbage is never removed from the home. I think one of the saddest realities is that we have a lot of people out there today. We have some people out there who know God's word but are not living it. Uh, we, we have people out there who, who care less about the word of God or maybe are just simply satisfied with what you can pick up on a Sunday. And so maybe we're enjoying it to a degree. Maybe we're studying and maybe we're hearing it. But the question we have to ask is, is it being applied? Or well, I gotta be careful how I say this too. I mean, sometimes I encounter people who are all about going deep. You know, like we gotta go deeper. I mean, we gotta go into deeper things. But, but the problem with, with that for so many of us is that we haven't figured out the shallow stuff yet. I mean, you know, maybe as soon as we can check all of those things off our list, maybe once I prove, you know, that I can live out even some of these basics on a day-to-day basis, well, maybe we explore some deeper things. I mean, again, why do we need the word of God in our lives? Well, we need to read it and we need to study it. But more than anything, we've gotta put it to practice. We have to trust it. We have to apply it and be transformed by it as we become more and more like Jesus walking as he walked. If we're going to pattern our lives after Jesus, then we need to be transformed by the very same words that form the life and ministry of Jesus. Here's another thing. The word of God uh, is available for us to influence others. I mean, why do we need it? Why do we need to depend on it? Because we can influence others through it. I mean, how did Jesus use the scriptures to influence the lives of others? Well, we get many examples of this. A couple that I found, Mark 1, 21 uh, to 22, describes a time when Jesus was teaching at the synagogue. And and Mark records that the people were amazed at his teaching. Now, why were they amazed at his teaching? I mean, was it because that he told great stories or funny jokes or used really cool YouTube clips? I don't think it had anything to do with that. Uh, I mean, was it that he was able to consistently keep his messages to 30 minutes or less without going over? I don't think it had anything to do with that. Now, they were amazed at his understanding of the word of God. They were amazed at the authority by which uh, he taught. I mean, on another occasion, Jesus was asked his opinion on things like marriage and divorce. And in that moment, in Matthew 19, starting in verse 4, look what he says. He says, haven't you read? Again, he is showing us that he is going back to scripture to form his understanding. He replied that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female. And said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. I just want you to see, I mean, where did Jesus' opinion on marriage and divorce come from? Not public opinion. Not from his feelings. I mean, when asked about marriage, Jesus looked to the scriptures to form his opinion. His understanding came directly from the word of God and he let the word of God through him influence others. You know what, we can do the same thing too. As we live our lives today, I mean, as we, as we come alongside friends and peers and encourage them with the word of God, uh, you, you can teach uh, parents, so you, you can teach and train your children uh, by helping them understand the word of God. Uh, you can hold each other accountable in your connection group. Uh, by studying and reading and practicing uh, the Word of God together. I I think we have a real opportunity that we often overlook uh, to influence this world, to influence uh, those around us today when we're transformed by what we say and people can see it in us, again, that we're living out the very Word of God that we want to share with others and we share it with them in a loving and compassionate way. Paul says it like this in Colossians chapter 4 verse 6. He says, "Let your conversation be always full of grace." All right, there's the compassion, but seasoned with salt. All right, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And most importantly, you know, we we can influence others through sharing the gospel with them by using the word of God to tell the story of God and Christ. I mean, we can help them understand who God is and why he sent Jesus. Uh, to the earth for us. You know, my, uh, one of my grandpas passed away when I was 12 years old. And so I've got some memories of him, but not a ton of them. And uh, as I think back to my grandpa, I mean, one of, the, one of those things I remembered about him and he was a farmer and um, I mean, he, he was uh, somewhat uh, educated, I guess, but you know, as someone born in 1910 and as a farmer, you know, he didn't spend a ton of time in school, but and one thing things I'll always remember about my grandpa was just his commitment uh, to the Bible, uh, his commitment to the church uh, that he was a part of for his entire life, uh, the way he treated others, you know, just the opinion that I remember hearing of him uh, in the community and from local farmers about his honesty and his graciousness and his compassion. Uh, he taught Sunday school at the church that I grew up in. And I always remember my grandpa taught Sunday school uh, for a group of single women now, that kind of sounds funny, but uh, it w- they were these widowed uh, women, and uh, my grandpa was their teacher for many years. And so I remember even as a young boy, every Sunday morning, walking by his class and walking in and letting all those older women just kind of you know, rub my hair and pinch my cheeks. And uh, But my, my grandpa was committed to serving them, and uh, he was always, you know, if I, th- if I think back to walking into the living room, my grandma and grandpa's house, he was always sitting in this chair. And his Bible was very close to him. And um, I was uh, in a room in our house this past week and going through a, a bookshelf that we have. And I forgot uh, that I have a copy of my grandpa's Bible. And that's uh, kind of funny. You know, my grandma outlived my grandpa for about 20 years. And uh, she wrote in the front of this, uh, she wrote, "This Bible is to be Paul Mumaw's when I'm deceased." And uh, so I guess that uh, uh, stood up really well in the family because I ended up with it. But it was just kind of fun the other night, just to kind of flip through here his King James Version uh, Bible and just look at all the verses that were underlined, and uh, just kind of wondering and imagining, you know, what he must have been thinking or what was really important to him. But one other thing that I found as I got to the very back is that on one of these uh, blank paper pages. were a number of scripture passages uh, that are all written down. And I kind of looked at him at first, and I thought, okay, well, some of those look familiar. What was the after here? But then I realized uh, it was a story of salvation. And uh, he had the passages outlined, and uh, my guess is just simply that he wanted to be ready. You know, that if he was in a conversation with someone, and uh, the opportunity presented himself, that he could walk a person verse by verse and really tell them the story of who God is, and why he sent Jesus, and uh, the life and the hope uh, that we have through him. Romans 1.16 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. See, if we're going to pattern our lives after Jesus, then we need to influence others with the very same words that Jesus referred to. Number four, why do we need to depend on the word of God? It's to overcome temptation. Um, Read read Matthew 4 for yourselves uh, sometime later today. I mean, it's the account of Jesus in the wilderness. And uh, three times Satan tempted Jesus, and each time Jesus responded by quoting scripture. Uh, And so Satan came at him with these lies, and Jesus depended on the word of God uh, to bring truth. I mean, the word of God for Jesus was his weapon. Satan is the father of lies, all right? And, And as he came after Jesus... He's going to do the same for us too. Uh, He loves to come after us as well. And so how do you defend yourself from the lies just like Jesus did? I mean, how do we stand up to temptation? Again, just as Jesus did, you counter with truth. You counter the father of lies. You fight back with the truth. Look at these words in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. I'll read through them quickly here. Paul uh, is writing about this type of warfare that we go through uh, as followers of Christ. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. All right, put on the full armor of God. Or again, how how do we stand up against temptation? He says, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. He says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. He says, therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground after you have done everything to stand. He says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. He says, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, which with you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And then in verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. Now there's some fantastic symbolism in this passage. And if you study this passage, it's so rich with so much meaning. But what I want you to see is that there is only one offensive piece to this armor described by Paul here. Only one weapon that we're given. It's the word of God. The sword of the spirit, the word of God. And what I just want to emphasize for you and for me and for each of us is this, that if you're not engaged in the word of God on a consistent basis, you have no chance against Satan. You have nothing with which to fight back. I mean, you have no reliable means with which to overcome temptation. And if you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I, I get it. I hear it, but, but I don't even know where to start. I mean, I don't know the first thing about the Bible. If I were to sit down and open the Bible, I wouldn't even know where to begin or, or even what to read. And I'm, I'm not even sure I'd understand what I'm reading. Well, if that's you, I just want to challenge you with just some some basic steps that that can help you in better knowing and understanding the Bible just quickly. I mean, my, my first challenge for you would just be to make it a goal to read the Bible every day. I mean, even for 10 minutes. Just read the Bible, you know, even for ten minutes. And maybe you've got a copy of your own Bible, and so you start with a particular book, or uh, you know, another great option. If, if you've got a phone, if you have something like the U Version app, uh, Y O U V E R S I O N, the U Version app, uh, there are so many reading plans uh, that you can choose from that will just guide you through a daily Bible reading plan that you can pick from. And so, make it a goal uh, to read the Bible ten minutes every day. Start. Here, here's another thing: start bringing your Bible to church. Uh, if you've got one, if you don't bring it with you, make it a point to bring it with you every time you come. Just get into this habit of always looking to and referring and having at your possession a copy of the Bible. Here, here's another thing. Take, note, take notes during the message. Uh, you know, you might not have anything to write down after my message, but I know with Steve you probably get lots of things uh, to write down. But, but take notes during a message. And when we talk about particular verses, you know, write them down. And then make it a goal as you go back uh, or as you go into your week to just go back and look at those verses and to read those verses. Uh, Here's something else. If you've got kids, make reading the Bible uh, a part of your home. Uh, even memorizing verses together, you know, write them down on cards, put them throughout your house. Uh, take a few minutes at the dinner table, you know, when you eat dinner together at night and encourage uh, one another as you read scripture, as you talk about scripture uh, together. Here, here's one more. Uh, we've, got, we've got a prayer seminar coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, make it a point to attend that if you've never been through it before. You're going to learn some effective practices on how to use scripture when you pray uh, for the sake of gaining wisdom and for things like overcoming temptation. See, John says that those who are in him and who want to be in him must walk as Jesus walked. And uh, I pray that if you're not already, that it will become your desire to pattern your life after Jesus. And Jesus depended on the scriptures. He looked to them for wisdom and understanding and to be transformed and to influence others and to overcome temptation. We have to pattern our lives after Jesus and gain from the same things that he did. And, and there's one more reason why we need to depend on the scriptures. We must depend on them, and that's to know God. I mean, there, there is no greater way of knowing God, of experiencing God, than through scriptures. I mean, you know, through the word of God, we can know God better. And, and that's amazing and sobering at the same time, you know, that we can look to God and know him better, But at the same time, that means that if you're not reading the Bible regularly for yourself, you can't know God. You can't have the kind of relationship with God that he wants, that he desperately desires to have with you. I want to close today by just looking at a few passages with you, just reading a few passages with you and just kind of allowing the Lord to speak uh, to each of us. Maybe speak into your life today as he just reminds us of who he is and how he cares for us and what he thinks about us. And his part and his role in our world. Uh, Verses like Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, where we're reminded that we have a creator when it says that in the beginning there was God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And over in Psalm chapter 8, verses 3 and 4, when we read, the psalmist writes, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. I don't know how many of you were up early this morning to see the sunrise today and just see how beautiful that really was. Or maybe a couple of weeks ago you got outside and you watched the, uh, the blood moon, the eclipse that took place. Or if you've ever been out in the country away from the city lights to look up into the skies and see all the stars. And the psalmist says, as beautiful as each of these things are, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? human beings that you care for them in Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 17 we're reminded that there is no other God that Jesus is the only way when the writer says for the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords the great God mighty and awesome who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes or how about Jeremiah when he writes in Jeremiah 1 verse 5 speaking for the Lord he says before I formed you in the womb I knew you Before you were born, I set you apart. Do we think that our God has an opinion on the rights of the unborn today? He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. In Psalm 27, one, we're encouraged, we're reminded that when we're in trouble, we can read words like the Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And in Psalm 37, verse 39 that salvation, the salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in times of trouble. I wonder how many of you need to turn to the Lord today and embrace him as your stronghold in maybe the times of trouble that you might be walking through. And finally, in Matthew 19, verse 26, when Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are impossible. Are are possible. See, there is nothing that is impossible for him. And I just invite you to bow your heads with me for just a moment. And I just want you to hear these words this morning from the word of God and for your life. And you know, maybe for you, what that situation might be for you right now that's giving you stress or anxiety or concern. Maybe the questions that you're asking about what tomorrow may hold or this week may hold. Here's the truth for us today. With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. For you and for today, with God, all things are possible. Father in heaven, we thank you uh, for your truth for us. Uh, We thank you for your words that are living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. We thank you for the hope that you've given us in Christ. We thank you uh, for the life that he lived that we can look to and really ask and understand and desire and be able to say, you know, I want to walk as Jesus walked. And I thank you, Lord, for this reminder, even for us now, that all things are possible with you. There is nothing There is nothing that is too great for you. And Lord, you know every life here today. You know every person. You know every hurt. You know every question. You know every concern, Lord. Lord, may we hear you say today that there is nothing that is impossible for you. And God, I pray that you would use today to mark our hearts and mark our lives, that each of us would maybe leave with this new desire today to say, I want to know God more. And I want to depend on the scriptures the way Jesus did. Father, would you move in us today? Would you increase in us a desire to know your word and to look to your word for all things? God, would you put a hunger in us to learn from you and discover you and find confidence in our identity and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ for our world and for our church? And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.